Obese was supposed to speak roughly now and uh, and declare his official national emergency about the like war. Like you're Adam Levine over there. I'm not obese. I'm not a thirty. Oh point... yeah, get on the scale. Have We've we got I'm, a scale. I'm not a thirty point four. Oh yeah, thirty point four BMI for the president. What was Clinton? Was oh that... shut up. Was that before BMI? Surely he was that high. He's a pretty fat guy. He was pretty big. Yeah, yeah. But, but Trump has. You know, custom-made, big, long jackets. So he looks slimmer than he is. And he wears the long tie, as he advised. Who did he tell to wear a longer tie? Chris, Chris Christie. Christie. Right. Another fat guy. <laughs> um, but Trump was uh, supposed to announce that now that the speech has been moved back till the bottom of this hour. At least 7.30. But stay with us. We'll bring it to you. Yeah, so the official... Um, uh, Stats on the president from the doctor came out yesterday. His cholesterol's good. His heart rate's good. All of his indications are good. He's in very I'm good health. jealous of his blood pressure, yeah. And I don't think he's on any medication for it. It's just that he's gone up a few pounds and only a handful. But he was right on the edge of obesity. Right. And uh, and he got taller somehow. Which is un- unusual in your 70s. Are we seriously talking about this? Yeah. So Bill Clinton, six foot two at two hundred and thirty four pounds, puts him at a a dead even thirty on the, uh, so, the he was, so he was obese also. There you go. See, we've had obese presidents, and he was popular. And and the, the Republican endured. Yeah, and we did just fine. Gained four pounds since last year, and a, and an inch of height. <laughs> I find hilarious. That's rare. It's a rarity in their seventies. It's like Barry Bonds gaining twenty five pounds of muscle and becoming a home run hitter in his thirties. Seems unlikely. So we'll be getting into that and uh, diagnosing that. But, of course, the story of yesterday, and I think we'll be around for a while, 60 Minutes Sunday night, we'll run the interview with Andrew McCabe, the f- guy who formerly ran the FBI, and um, he's got a book out and making the rounds and one of the jaw-dropping, if you're the sort of person who allows their jaw to drop over things like this. Tighten up your jaw, you pansy. <laughs> Keep your jaw up! Right! One of the jaw-dropping stories was how they were seriously considering invoking the 25th Amendment to remove the President of the United States. And he was going around doing a head count of the cabinet, thinking who's with us and who's against us. And and he, he, was, he was saying that, and it was being received in the Trump-hating media, like, oh my gosh, that's how bad it was. Right. Mm-hmm. Except... Why does Andy McCabe get to decide that? Well, did, let me uh, let me uh, flip through the old uh, Constitution or Rooney here. Let's see. Andy, the uh, acting uh, director of the FBI, shall henceforth be powered to appraise whether the president's a wackadoo. No, no, it's <laughs> not the way it works. Anyway, Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law. I always say this, just in case people don't know, Hillary Clinton supporter. Indeed. I guarantee it doesn't like one thing Donald Trump does policy-wise. Self-declared liberal. Absolutely, but this is what he had to say about the whole thing last night. Well, if that's true, it is clearly an attempted coup d'etat. Relating to what your former guest said, let's take the worst-case scenario. Let's assume the President of the United States was in bed with the Russians, committed treason, committed obstruction of justice, 
The 25th Amendment simply is irrelevant to that. Right. That's why you have an impeachment provision. Exactly. The 25th Amendment is about Woodrow Wilson having a stroke. It's about a president being shot and not being able to perform his office. It's not about the most fundamental disagreements. It's not about impeachable offenses. And any Justice Department official who even mentioned the 25th Amendment in the context of President Trump has committed a grievous offense against the Constitution. The framers of the 25th Amendment had in mind something very specific. Right. And trying to use the 25th Amendment to circumvent the impeachment provisions or to circumvent an election is, is a despicable act of unconstitutional yes. power grabbing. How it about is absolutely that? clear. How about that? Your liberal Harvard Law professor says to Andy McCabe's beloved story all day long yesterday, a, a despicable unconstitutional act mm. and a stroke of state. I'm sorry, I prefer my terms in the uh, the original French, coup d'etat or stroke of state or blow against the state. I didn't know coup d'etat was stroke of state. Well, blow against the state okay. is probably a better translation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's strong stuff, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, we have an impeachment process. And it's vague enough that you can kind of do what you want with it if you're Congress. High crimes and misdemeanors. Okay. You know, fine. And then we have elections every four years. So the idea that we need to go to the 25th and boot this guy out, the four of us, are we ready? Because That's we, Because the four of us don't think he's qualified. Right. The, uh, 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 the electorate did. 40, however many million people who voted for him and put him in office thought he was qualified with a good long look at his life. Yes, um, and, a rather complete thing. But they're wrong. We don't think he's qualified. Now, I will say... And we don't like his Russia policy, so we're going to take him out. Exactly. I was going to say, in defense of McCabe, who's a congenital liar uh, and, and is going to be probably going to jail for lying under oath... Um, uh, his His top concern was the Russia stuff. He believed that that Trump might be a tool of the Russians. He also believed he was just temperamentally unfit, as his communication makes clear, and he was close friends with uh, Strzok and Page. He was the Andy of, uh, we got to get an insurance policy, like we were talking about in Andy's office. So they were all in on this, we've got to overturn the election thing. And listen, they may have sincerely thought it was a, a serious emergency and the republic was at stake, but they're not allowed to decide No, that's, that. that's all stuff you take down the road of impeachment. Right, right. Come forward with it. Let America know. Go to your congresspeople. Make the argument for impeachment. Yeah. I mean, we'd be in real trouble if we start having handfuls of people invoking the 25th Amendment. Because at some point, you're going to get, you know, go back, back in time, you'd, you'd get some Republicans who think Barack Obama's a secret Muslim. Just look at his name. No birth certificate. He can't be president and right. invoke the 25th Amendment and try to get rid of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was uneligible to run, was the point of view of many, including, as it turns out, <laughs> Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a perfectly legitimate invocation of the 25th Amendment, except it's completely not. It's appropriate by Andy McCabe's, uh, you know. Standards. So, and again, flipping through the Constitution, acting director of the FBI, I'm not finding it. Boy, if you're a uh, if you're a big fan of the Constitution, um, yesterday was a bit of a troubling day. I mean, you had FBI agents who were discussing a coup because they thought it was the right thing to do, while the president's announcing national emergencies 
in ways that trouble a lot of uh, right-wingers, um, just individuals or, or small numbers of people taking on a tremendous amount of power. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, here's the Joe Getty take on all of this stuff. Um, I find the declaration of a national emergency over the whole border uh, fence thing uh, a stretch. I find some of the uh, the moving around of money, the president's suggesting um, defense uh, construction dollars and that sort of thing, I find that a stretch. Um, you know, we have courts in this country that work quite nicely to check executive power and congressional power, for that matter. And so I'm not really worried about it, but, you know, it bothered the heck out of me when Barack Obama literally said 20, was it 21 or 22 times? I'll say 21, I'll round down, 21 times that I cannot just suspend deportations and start DACA on my own. I can't. He acknowledged, I just can't, I'm quoting, just bypass Congress and change the immigration law myself. That's not how a democracy works. 21 times he said that, and then he did it anyway in 2012. George W. Bush used executive power in a way that his predecessors would have blushed at. And now Trump is suggesting, you know what, I don't like what Congress is doing. I'm going to do something different because it's a legitimate policy goal, and I think the executive branch has the power. What we're seeing is is Republican-Democrat, Republican-Democrat, just growing the power of the executive branch over and over again in ways that are are pretty questionable constitutionally, and Congress being a bunch of babies. And worrying more about uh, party politics than what's actually good for the union. Because I'm telling you, and listen, the, the, the taking your guns thing will never happen. That's a bad example of an executive order because that would be stopped by the time the Democratic president had finished the sentence. Because that's the Second Amendment. Yeah, it's thing. in the Second Amendment. But the, 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 the climate change one isn't a crazy That's idea. a really good example, I think. Yeah. I mean, they'll cite all the science whether you like it or not, about, you know, rising ocean levels and it'll affect our, our Navy and our military bases and blah, blah, blah. Global warming is clearly a national emergency. And they will declare it and they will move a bunch of money around in ways that Congress has specifically said no to. Listen, or something health-related, I can imagine that, obesity, and then all kinds of weird stuff with our food. Again with obesity. What's, what's your story over here? You on one of those trendy diets? Leave us alone. We're a little zopped. Do I look like I'm on a trendy diet? <laughs> Let me run through what I ate last night for our big Valentine's Day meal extravaganza. But if I'm going to be consistent, I'll tell you, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. I bought a discount apple pie last night. Did you see the tweet? I did. It looked delicious. It was inedible. Oh, no. And was my, it uh, must sell today? My what? wife said, did you buy this from the discount table? Because I, I had taken the label off the box that said it was marked down. Clever I boy. Looked, I thought that looked bad. Oh, what a genius fraud. <laughs> and I almost got away with it, too. <laughs> Except for the pie was inedible. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. He was a 
NASA has announced it's declaring its Mars Opportunity rover dead after the vehicle lost contact eight months ago following a severe dust storm. Its last message to NASA said, my battery is low and it's getting dark, which is the same text I send when someone asks to hang out after five. <laughs> I understand that. Um, Katy Perry's engaged, so that, uh, there you what? go. Yeah, Orlando Bloom. Yeah, how about that? Um, Hearts broken across America, male and female, Jack. Were you going to do an update on that, uh, whether that was a real attack or not, on that that actor? Dude? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, many people uh, writing into, uh, they're texting at us, tweeting at us, emailing at uh, us that I, Joe Getty, the nation's arbiter, and whether something's a real, you know, uh, racial incident or a social justice warrior faking something up. I told you that the Jussie Smollett thing was fake. That was my ruling, that it was almost certainly fake. Um, He had perpetrated it himself, uh, what, a week ago or something like that? And I didn't do it lightly, because if it were a real crime, it was an absolutely loathsome and terrifying you know, thing to undergo, and I don't do these things lightly. But yeah, it was uh, Chicago police now are leaking all over the place that they are investigating two people of interest, not for being MAGA hat-wearing racist Trump maniacs, but friends of Jussie Smollett, one of whom may have worked on the show, and they faked up the attack. There are various uh, explanations of why it might be. Those don't strike me as very compelling. But yeah, the Chicago police are making it pretty clear through leaking to their journalist buddies in local Chicago TV in particular that... um, yeah, this is not what uh, he's claiming it is. Well, and you would at high levels mm-hmm. in uh, Chicago, you know, when you're their mayor or city council or whatever. If this didn't happen, you want to get the word out there. Look, we're not the sort of city where you get beaten down by Trump crazies. Right. It doesn't happen. Right. Well, well it and, didn't happen, and, most likely. And in a, in a, in a city with uh, as many fine uh, black Americans as Chicago... Um, you don't want to be the police department that fails to find vicious, racist marauders who are menacing the streets of your city. Sorry, we just haven't caught him yet. That would be a terrible look for the Chicago PD. Uh, listen to this, would you? If you know anything about anything, you can decode this. Um, WLS uh, Channel 7 um, TV, I think that's the ABC affiliate, yeah, um, was reporting that the two men had staged the attack with Smollett who feared being written off Empire and is an activist on this sort of thing and thought it would be good for his look, Chicago police characterized that report as unconfirmed. Not false, not what? Not, yeah, nobody right. said no. Uh, that's unconfirmed. Yeah, so that's a yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, for what it's worth, which ain't much, Fox, Big Fox is saying, uh, Jesse Smollett, uh, the idea that he's been written off is patently ridiculous. He remains a core player on this very successful series. But that's, you know, that's not a that's not an ABC set of logical no, no, things. No. It's just it could be a perception or he could. The guy's a super activist in black and gay issues and decided to vault himself to the top tier of social justice warriors. So with friends slash coworkers, he faked up a terrible how, racist how, how attack. Do you, how do you people not understand that you take it too far? Because they never look at the media that then publishes the story of it was a fake job. Because MSNBC and BuzzFeed and, and your Slate and, and, and whatever, HuffPo, they don't publish those stories because they hate them. They publish the original attack and go wall to wall. So the people who would perpetrate these sort of things 
students, professors, Jussie Smollett, they never realize that these things get exposed all the time because they're in a little ideological bubble. It's always too. If if somebody says they were wearing a MAGA hat or a MAGA T-shirt, every time it's turned out to be fake, hasn't it? Has anybody in a MAGA hat or a MAGA T-shirt done anything that turned out to be true? No, the idiot who knocked down the the BBC uh, cameraman the other night yeah, that yeah. was real. I saw it right there in my own eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like uh, some guy. No, thinking, when somebody comes forward and claims something happened to him, and they give the detail of oh, they're yeah. wearing a MAGA hat, or they said this is for Trump, that's turned out to be phony every single time. You because know, that's just it not might the way. Well, That's they, not the yeah. way normal human beings react. Yeah. To act. It's like uh, it's a wasted guy as the cop pulls up behind him saying, uh, no problem, I'm going to tell him I had just two drinks. No, see, you don't understand. That's a thing. <laughs> we, that's everybody does. It's too, no, that's not going to work. And that, so is it, oh, yeah. Yeah, they knocked me down. They called me, uh, you know, racial slurs, gay slurs. Then they said, uh, 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 yeah, this is MAGA country. And then they put a noose around my neck and poured bleach on me. Because people are always walking around in the wee hours of the bitter Chicago winter with nooses and bleach looking for gay black actors. I remember it well. I grew up there. On be- I had to dodge them all the time. On behalf of their chosen political ideology. Exactly. What's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? Well, waiting on Trump's border wall deal and national emergency declaration. We've had a notorious RBG update for you and new Tesla features aimed at criminals and dogs. Whether it's live or slightly delayed, we will bring you the president's announcement. So just stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Explanation is for why these presidential addresses get delayed the way they do? No. They, the, the closest I've ever come is they're continuing to massage the verbiage, that Jack. can't be. Well, because there's no downside for them to being late. Yeah, but it's just, it's, I just, right. I don't know what, what's, what's the upside. So I'm watching cable news. They've actually got a camera where you can see into the door of the Oval Office right. or, or whatever office that is. And you see Trump walking around in there. And who's he talking to about what? As he's now 35 minutes late for speeches. All the presidents do this. I just always wonder what they're doing while the nation waits for... Why even announce a time? Is that Mick Mulvaney in there? I can't see if he's wearing those uh, wire spectacles. Are they actually, young Jared. Are they actually changing words and arguing about sentences up until the last second? That's Jared! Kushner. <laughs> so, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Expecting the speech to start any second. Yeah. All your major networks and TV have right. gone, gone desperately. <laughs> gone to their coverage. Uh, Marshall, start talking, and then whenever we need to, we'll go to the president with his declared national emergency. All right, well, after that declared national emergency, White House official said the president's going to look to divert about $8 billion of Defense Department money to help pay for construction of a wall, a move House Speaker Nancy Pelosi went after immediately. The president is doing an end run about Congress, about the power of the purse. You've heard me say over and over again, Article 1, the legislative branch, the power of the purse, the power to declare war, many other powers uh, listed in the Constitution, and of, of course, the responsibility to have oversight. So the president is doing an end run around that. It's hilarious to me how principles come and go based on who's in the office. And we've been at war in Afghanistan for 17 years now, 19 in the middle of right. whatever number you want to throw around. 
None of it declared wars. So proudly touting Congress's powers in that direction are more than a tad ironic. Yes. Meanwhile, the Department of Justice has already told the White House it can expect court challenges to the move. ABC's Jonathan Carl has more. What the Justice Department said in their warning is that you are likely to see at least a temporary injunction stopping this as the court challenges go forward. But remember, the president has faced challenges like this before in his use of executive action, uh, including with the travel ban. And in that case, he ultimately won at the Supreme Court. Uh, You know, I'd like to point out that as a guy who's concerned about government power in general, no matter who's in the White House, I I would like this to go to the Supreme Court. I would like a good, solid ruling on when can the president declare a national emergency and go around Congress. We ought to have a solid idea. That's a good idea. Not a bunch of talking heads yelling at each other. No way to run a country. That's a good one. That might be the best thing that comes out of this is we'll finally get a ruling on various things that, you know, presidents keep doing more and more. Then when uh, uh, President Ocasio-Cortez... Uh, declares climate change a national emergency and attempts to confiscate my toaster oven, well then, uh, you know, the courts will have already decided. Supreme Court says Justice Unless Ruth I can Bader, get a wind-powered toaster oven. <laughs> Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has returned to work at the building for the first time since she had the lung cancer surgery in late December. Notorious, back in the house. Yes. The court's press officer said the 85-year-old Ginsburg is attending the justices' Friday closed-door conference where they weigh in on whether to add new cases and finalize opinions in cases argued in the fall. Meanwhile, Tesla is adding a couple of new features aimed at criminals and dogs. Two of them are intended to keep people from smashing windows of its cars. The first is called Sentry Mode, which uses cameras mounted around the car to monitor the area it's in. If it senses someone leaning on the car, it puts up a message on the infotainment screen, letting the peop- letting the person know they're being recorded. If they don't, Step away from the Tesla. Step away from the Tesla. If they don't take the hit and they try to break in, the car sounds a full alarm, then turns up the lights in the car and turns up the radio to draw attention to the situation. And everybody in the neighborhood ignores it. And it's Shut the, up! Turn that off! Turn off your stupid alarm! And at this point, an alert is also sent to the car owner's Tesla smartphone app. So that's that you nice. Know. That's that nice. Be, that Somebody's busting into your car. Yeah. yeah. Now, the other feature is the dog mode. To be used when you leave your pet in your car for a short period of time, it keeps the climate control in check and posts a note on the screen telling any passersby the fact so no hot car dog rescues Marshall, are attempted. Marshall, the now obese president has just walked out of the Would office. Would you leave it alone? It's, the, it's in the news. And he's about to speak. Ah! So we will go to that live as he's going to declare a national emergency. Wearing a blue tie today. Here we go with the President of the United States, Donald Trump. Rocking the blue tie today. Exactly. Yeah, the guy from The Apprentice? <laughs> the guy from The President. The Apprentice is the President. Thank you very much, everybody. Before we begin, I'd like to just say that we have a large team of very talented people in China. We've had a negotiation going on for about two days. It's going extremely well. Who knows what that means, because it only matters if we get it done, but we're uh, very much uh, working very closely with China and President Xi, who I respect a lot, very good relationship that we have, and we're a lot closer than we ever were in this country with having a real trade deal. We're covering everything, all of the points that 
people have been talking about for years that said couldn't be done, whether it was theft or uh, anything, anything. The unfairness. Uh, we've been losing, on average, $375 billion a year with China. A lot of people think it's $506 billion. Some people think it's much more than that. We're going to be leveling the playing field. Uh, the tariffs are hurting China very badly. They don't want them. And frankly, if we can make the deal, it'd be my honor to remove them. But otherwise, we're having many billions of dollars pouring into our treasury. We've never had that before with China. It's been very much of a one-way street. So that's happening. And uh, the relationship with China is very good. But I think they finally respect our country. They haven't respected us for a long time. Not for a long time. Uh, the U.K. and the U.S., as you probably have been seeing and hearing, we're agreeing to go forward and preserve our trade agreement. You know all of the situation with respect to Brexit and the complexity and the problems, but we have a very good trading relationship with U.K., and that's just been uh, strengthened further. So with the U.K., we're continuing our trade and uh, we are going to actually be increasing. I think we've come up with a plan. We've come up with a plan, ladies and gentlemen. Sounds like the president's doing kind of an around the horn before he gets to the main topic of the day. So let's go to break right now. When we come back, we will have the president addressing the whole border slash national emergency subject. Because for all we know, he's going to talk about China and trade for quite a while. Well, and he's while... already on to Brexit. Who knows? Venezuela next. Right. And, and while that's important, it's not the sort of thing we would interrupt, you know, a live broadcast and for. Patent infringement. This announcement of of a, uh, a declared emergency is a big deal, so we want to bring that to you. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. talking about it. <laughs> so Trump went through all this different stuff, right? China and, and North China. Korea and Brexit and right. the economy. And now he's about to get to the big story of the day. President Trump right outside the White House. Today I'm announcing uh, several critical actions that my administration is taking to confront a problem that we have right here at home. We fight wars that are 6,000 miles away, wars that we should have never been in in many cases. But we don't control our own border. So we're going to confront the national security crisis on our southern border. And we're going to do it one way or the other. We have to do it. Not because it was a campaign promise, which it is. It was one of many, by the way. Not my only one. We're rebuilding the military, our economy. Tangent alert. Tangent like never before. You look at other economies. They're doing terribly, and we're doing phenomenally. The market is up tremendously today. Not that that's anything, but, you know, because I'll go back in and they'll say, oh, the market just went down. But the market is uh, getting close to the new highs that we created. We uh, we have all the records. We have every record. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Double tangent alert. What, what an interesting style. I mean, you're coming out and doing something pretty controversial, pretty big deal, definitely the story of the day. Right. And you kind of just weave it in and out of a long conversation. Those instead of pop into your mind. Yeah. 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 Anyway. We're getting close to that point again where we'll create new records. So our country is doing very well economically and... Uh, We've done a lot, but one of the things I said I have to do and I want to do is border security because we have tremendous amounts of drugs flowing into our country. 
much of it coming from the southern border. When you look and when you listen to politicians, uh, in particular certain Democrats, they say it all comes through the port of entry. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's just a lie. It's all a lie. They say walls don't work. Walls work 100%. Uh, whether it's El Paso, I, I really was smiling because the other night I was in El Paso. We had a tremendous crowd. And a tremendous crowd. And I asked the people, many of whom were from El Paso, but they came from all over Texas. And I asked them, I said, let me ask you, the, uh, as a crowd, when the wall went up, was it better? You, you were there, some of you. It was not only better, it was like 100% better. You know what they did. But that's only one example. There are so many examples. In El Paso, they have close to 2,000 murders right on the other side of the wall. And they had 23 murders. It's a lot of murders. But it's not close to 2,000 murders. Right on the other side of the wall in Mexico. So everyone knows that walls work. And there are better examples than El Paso, frankly. You just take a look almost everywhere. Take a look at Israel. They're building another wall. Their wall is 99.9% .9 effective, they told me. 99.9%. That's what it would be with us, too. The only weakness is they go to a wall and then they go around the wall. They go around the wall and in. Okay? That's what it is. Very simple. And a big majority of the big drugs, the big drug loads, don't go through ports of entry. They can't go through ports of entry. You can't take big loads because you have people. We have some very capable people. The Border Patrol, law enforcement, looking. You can't take human traffic, women and girls. You can't take them through ports of entry. You can't have them tied up in the back seat of a car or a truck or a van. They open the door. They look. They can't see three women with tape in their mouth or three women whose hands are tied. They go through areas where you have no wall. Everybody knows that. Nancy knows it. Chuck knows it. They all know it. It's all a big lie. It's a big con game. You don't have to be... Very smart to know. You put up a barrier, the people come in, and that's it. They can't do anything unless they walk left or right, and they find an area where there's no barrier, and they come into the United States. Welcome. We've detained more people. Our border agents are doing such incredible work. Our military has been incredible. We put up barbed wire on top of certain old walls that were there. We fixed the wall and we loaded up with barbed wire. It's very successful. But our military has been fantastic and I want to thank them. And it's very necessary. We've broken up two caravans that are on their way. They just are breaking. They're in the process of breaking up. We have another one that we haven't been able to break up yet. We've been actually working with Mexico much better than ever before. I want to thank the president. I want to thank Mexico. They have their own problems. They have the largest number of murders that they've ever had in their history. Almost 40,000 murders. 40,000. And they got to straighten that out, and I think they will. But I just want to thank the president because he's been helping us with these monstrous caravans that have been coming up. We had one that was up to over 15,000 people. It's largely broken up. Uh, others have gotten through. 
And in Tijuana, you have a lot of people staying there. If we didn't have the wall up and if we didn't have the wall secured and strengthened, they would have walked right through. They'd be welcome to the United States. One of the things we'd save tremendous, uh, just a tremendous amount on would be sending the military. If we had a wall, we don't need the military because we'd have a wall. So I'm going to be signing a national emergency. And it's been signed many times before. It's been signed by other presidents. From 1977 or so, it gave the presidents the power. There's rarely been a problem. They signed it. Nobody cares. I guess they weren't very exciting. But nobody cares. They signed it for far less important things in some cases, in many cases. We're talking about an invasion of our country with drugs, with human traffickers, with all types of criminals and gangs. We have some of the greatest people I know. They've been with me from the beginning of my campaign, almost from the first week. The angel moms. Unfortunately, we have new angel moms. One incredible woman just showed me her daughter, who we're talking about killed in the year of 18. I said, I haven't seen you before. She said, no, I'm new. I said, that's too bad. It's too bad. It's so sad. Stand up just for a second. Show how beautiful your girl was. And the mom is standing up and has a picture and is turning around Thank and showing you. it to the, uh, the press there in the core. And by the way, since you're listening to the radio, it would appear, he, he glances down at notes every now and then, so yeah. he's not looking at a teleprompter. It would appear that he's more or less ad-libbing this. He's clearly speech. winging it. Absolutely. Which is yeah. interesting on its own. I, I would say so. At least there's been Angel. nothing controversial so far that you know his opponents will be able to grasp onto. Was that sarcasm? That was sarcasm. Okay, gotcha. Angel dads, angel families, I have great respect for these people. These are great people. These are great people. They're fighting for their children that have been killed by people that were illegally in this country. And the press doesn't cover them. They don't want to, incredibly. And they're not treated the way they should be. They're fighting for other people because they don't want ha what happened to their children or husband or anybody. Uh, we have one young lady whose husband, please, stand up. Your husband was just killed in Maryland. Incredible man, just killed. Beautiful children won't be seeing their father again. These are brave people. These are people that are, they don't have to be here. They don't have to be doing this. They're doing it for other people. So I just want to thank all of you for being here. Okay, I really do. I want to thank you, incredible people. Last year, 70,000 Americans were killed at least, I think the number is ridiculously low, by drugs, including meth and heroin and cocaine, fentanyl. Now, one of the things that I did with President Xi in China when I met him in Argentina at a summit, before I even started talking about the trade, it was a trade meeting. It went very well. But before I talked about trade, I talked about something more important. I said, listen, we have tremendous amounts of fentanyl coming into our country. Kills tens of thousands of people. I think far more than anybody registers. And I'd love you to declare it 
a lethal drug and put it on your criminal list. And their criminal list is much tougher than our criminal list. Their criminal list, a drug dealer gets a thing called the death penalty. Our criminal list, a drug dealer gets a thing called, how about a fine? And when I asked President Xi, I said, do you have a drug problem? No, no, no. I said, you have 1.4 billion <laughs> people. What do you that, was, that was close to this. a mocking. Hey, 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 hey. No? Close to? No. What are you, Mika Brzezinski now? Well, I just. This is an all-timer, though. This <laughs> is something. And, hey, listen, we, we may have to pause it a minute, but we'll bring the whole thing to you, so oh, stay yeah. with us. Oh, yeah. Yep. Drug problem. No, we don't have a drug problem. I said, why? Death penalty. We give death penalty to people that sell drugs. End of problem. What do we do? We set up a blue ribbon committees. No, I just it's just it's interesting. So we've gone from border security, which is a big thing and blah blah blah, and you, you feel however you feel about that, mm-hmm. but this is an argument for having the death penalty for drug dealing, right. which is a different subject, but Well he's talking about the fentanyl uh pouring over the border, well, sure, obviously. Sure. But yeah, a tangent alert tangent alert. Pretty big tangent. I'd say. Yeah. Which is fine, you know. We, we we got the capacity to take in more than one topic, but Yeah, it's funny just past that criminal justice reform which was softening sentences for drug offenders. So that's it's, it's, it's a contrast. This, yeah. this is something. You'll get the whole thing. Heck yeah. In the year of 19. We will bring you the whole thing. Easy. Uh, Easy. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> 